once again, friends, to the ridiculous, rambunctious, vulgar, and unfunny Ampersand and Sons. I am your host, Neil Bailey, and with me, as ever, is Julian Finn, the nicest man in Canada. Hello, Neil. How are you on this glorious day, three days before we're going to have a snap election announced up here in the Great North? <laughs> I'm pretty good. No, in the last three weeks, I drove a 26-foot truck all the way down into the United States, loaded it with all my personal belongings, brought it back, and unloaded all those personal belongings, uh, which is part of the reason that we've been on hiatus. And I am exhausted. My my, my arms are tired. Well, fair enough. I've spent the last three weeks uh, trying to soup up my hybrid bike and turn it into a road bike, failing, trying to be content with the fact that it's just a hybrid bike, failing, finally selling the hybrid bike and buying a road bike. <laughs> well, what you need to do is become the eradicator, Julian. Oh. Be the eradicator. You be are the eradicator, Julian. Be the eradicator. Do it. Do it. <laughs> it was like ads, wasn't it? Like, I'm not crazy. That was like, like a YouTube ad. I mean, it was programming, I guess. I don't think, I don't, yeah, that, that's going to come in the questions category this week. But yeah, it's good to be back. We tried to do an episode for you guys last week, but uh, due to a technical issue, uh, <laughs> I came out sounding like a chipmunk and it was unfixable. So you'll never know. Actually, you probably will because we'll redo it. Um, what our thoughts on Superman 3 are and how Kyle is actually a much worse character than Brad from Superman 3. Um, <laughs> the biggest takeaway is that I, I, I was baffled because I remembered that Lana was with Brad, but she wasn't, like, at all. He was just entirely a, a, a fart hole in that show, in, in that movie. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we dive in, a uh, couple of you know, nerd news things have happened. Did you wind up watching He-Man? I have not yet because I didn't have Netflix, but I have gotten and purchased the Netflix today because my son wants that Captain Underpants show so much. So I will be watching it before next week and we can go back to it. Excellent. Did you watch What If? I did. And oh my God, was that 10 times better than I expected it to be. Right. I really expected this to be the one I didn't like. And so far it's my favorite because just, just good animation. I expected it to be choppy animation. It was good animation. And the scene, uh, the, the character logic that they jump in with where, where Carter is actually a better soldier than Steve fits for once yeah it's usually they just do it as kind of an arbitrary girl power moment. oh she can but but she is a soldier she has always been a soldier she is a trained soldier she knows how to jump in there and do that she has just not been given the opportunity and to see that opportunity given and to see it fully exploited and to see many of the same scenes reimagined as, if they were done with someone who is who is trained to be offensive and I mean offensive in the sense of like an attacker, as opposed to like Steve, who is like, uh, I, I give as good as I get and I'm still going to get up when you hit me. Um, it was just it blew me away. I was I, yeah. it resonated with me for the entire day after I watched it. I I'm, I'm not going to spoil it because it's still super fresh at the time of this recording. But uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked that. So I loved the What If comics as a kid, but I was always more of a DC comics guy rather than a Marvel guy. And part Same. of the reason 
that I couldn't connect to, like it didn't have the same cool feeling for me as Elseworlds did, was I didn't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the material that they were revising, right? Yeah, they were also far more one and done. Yeah, but to that point, what appeals to me about this is it's not what if relative to the comics, it's what if relative to the MCU movies. Yes. And that makes it much more accessible. It's a very smart choice. It's the kind of choice that I guarantee you Warner Brothers would not do with their own versions of an Elseworlds cartoon because they can't even decide what canon is for their animated movies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's fantastic. I'm excited to see more. Uh, weirdly, Watu, the Watcher, sounded exactly the way he always sounded in my head as a kid. I don't know how they did that. <laughs> like, that I think cool. it's the dude from, uh, I forget his name, and I shouldn't forget his name, but he's a wonderful actor. I think it's the dude from um, Westworld. Um, the... Oh. You know, uh, I forget his name, but he's, he's the, the, the scientist guy. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I think that it's also very, uh, a very good low key introduction for what they have to do as the actors age out. And what they're doing is they're kind of subtly and slowly acknowledging that they're not going to have a beginning middle end here. They are going to have a beginning middle end and then start the story over again. It's just going to be in a different universe. And they're very carefully seeding this. Right. They're, they're doing it in such a way that the audience will be prepared for it in ways that the comic book geeks already are so that everyone will understand the concept at the end of loki you get the idea of a multiverse uh what if you're gonna see oh this is this is what an alternate universe looks like and even captain america and the winter soldier or the falcon and the winter soldier depending on how you look at it because they changed the title at the end um, is is a, a way of showing the audience, yes, another character can come hey, and take this person's place. Hey, once you change the title, the title is changed. That movie, I think so too. That That's movie, my hot take on it. That excellent movie with Tom Cruise was never called The Edge of Tomorrow. It was always called Live, Die, Repeat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really... Okay, that's a whole other side subject, but I really liked that movie in particular. And that's one where I'm actually, I really liked Edge of Tomorrow better, but I agree. Once it's changed, they keep it forever. It's done. We should but. actually, in the summer hiatus, do an episode about that movie because it did something brilliant in its construction that I didn't think it was possible to do which was make it okay for Tom Cruise to be the hero in a Tom Cruise movie again. <laughs> you and know, I liked it. it. You, you constantly talk about craft. The way that they did that and built that into the plot was craft. Yes, there's 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 lots of redemption for Tom Cruise and and a good introduction to Emily Blunt for me, yeah. um, where I finally kind of saw the range there. Um, but also, um, you know, my, my comic, my multiversal epic centers around the idea of someone doing the same thing in the same, in, in alternate universes over and over and over again. So I've got a real sweet spot for that. And they did it without completely screwing it up, which they 
always do. They always do that. Even Looper has a thing that I don't like about it, and I freaking love uh, Ryan Johnson. I yeah, know that's, the only uh, thing I hate about Looper is they turn it into a movie about superpowers, ultimately, and that sucks. Well, there's also there's there's temporal stuff but we can do that we can do a whole episode on looper as far as i'm concerned we should but um do a series in the summer on time travel media sure yeah because i mean i think uh, i think i've got a uh, this is i think this is confidence not arrogance when i say that i've put in the work to understand the mechanics of time travel more than other creators at present because i had to not because i wanted to say that statement with pride how um, dare it, well well no Kira, done. i mean i can't tell you how many times i've had i had to look at kira and go oh my god oh my god oh wait a minute oh god oh god because because doc brown with that board is just the beginning of the problems with temporal um temporal uh logic and uh there was even there was even a two-page point where i went back and wasted two comic book pages which i never do fixing an error that just comes from temporal anomalies there is so much that yeah. that they get wrong and story logic is is one of my little quirks <laughs> you the, might have noticed uh, what was the terrible movie that um chris guy who plays star lord uh not chris Evans. chris pratt Chris Pratt was just in on Amazon Prime. Oh God, is it the one with the space thing? Yeah, and the time travel. Yeah, I I got about 10, 15 minutes into it and I quit. Anyway, the reason why had you gotten half an hour into it, the reason why Edge of Tomorrow is front and center is because that movie is a poor man's Edge of Tomorrow. Like that movie deserves a moniker as dumb as Live Die Repeat. <laughs> yeah well you know it's it's ever since groundhog day it's been it's been an interesting idea to me the idea of um repeating your way to solving a problem or going the grandfather paradox just kind of uh writ large yeah all right so i think it's my turn to summarize um so this episode this is episode 14 correct Oh, God, I think it's more than that. I think we're at 16, but we lost one. I can actually look it up while you summarize. You do that. Okay, so this episode is like the third of the five endings in The Lord of the Rings. It's like another conflict that, I mean, really feels extraneous after the big conflict of two episodes ago. Um, and just kind of feels like they're they're milking a few endings out of this at this point. However, Neil Bailey, I did like this episode more than you did. You gave it a two out of five in your review. I believe I gave it a three out of five. Um, but ultimately, it's about uh, Morgan Edge is no more. Uh, he has become the Eradicator somehow. Um, <laughs> and and rejoins up with uh what's her name less Le is it leslie leslie lar leslie yes. lar to bring about the exact same events that occurred in <laughs> alternate reality that john henry irons come from thus confirming one of the three or four theories i've had this season um that were confirmed in this episode um and uh, they start converting 
human beings to uh, Kryptonians, despite the giant pl- plot hole that that presents based on earlier things they've said about that and why they were doing the, all that in Smallville in the first place. Um, Sarah gets to be the voice of the audience and call her parents idiots, um, which also felt like the voice of the audience calling the writers idiots, and we'll dive into why. Uh, teenagers drink, much angst is had, and uh, <laughs> the, the Lana, high ABVs, dude. Yeah, and the and the Lana Lang family is going to leave Smallville, as I also predicted, which is going to cause <laughs> more drama that I also predicted. Oh, they're not gone. I'll fight you on that one. I think that uh, I think that they're. I I, I still stand by what i wrote in review that sarah sees through it immediately and her instinct is correct and she is only baffled because she has to deal with adult logic or adult belief more appropriately okay. for several minutes all right so let's do general impressions what yeah i mean we I, we know what you thought of the episode if we if anybody's read your review which you should do it's on the supermanhomepage.com the day after the episode's post and uh neil is very verbose and hunter s thompson-ish in his writing hypergraphic uh, i believe is the technical term yeah yeah and it's well worth a read um but yeah you gave it a two out of five which i felt was harsh and i haven't seen any comments on it yet although i can assume that other people will think it was harsh as well so why (laughs) don't you bailey so um (laughs) the two the two is actually so it is if they hadn't done a couple of own goals that were very critical Um, it would have been a three, a three or a four even. Um, but several of the critical own goals are, uh, well, so there's a lot of continuity flaws in the episode that weigh it down and that pulled me out. If a few of those even had been missing, it probably would have been okay. Uh, the other thing is that the ending is very abrupt and doesn't seem to follow from the premises very easily. Like Jordan is not the natural, uh, like, like if Jordan, why not Jonathan, um, and, uh, other oh, things along the, so yeah, 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 no, that's, that's why I was intentionally vague and stuttered there. So I, I, I said, uh, for those in the know, but without spoiling it for those who are not yet. Um, but the other thing is that, um, if I had been able to, um, not experience like say the first half of the show and just instead the last half of the show um it probably would have worked out a lot better the problem is there's this it also labors under the weight of the previous episodes because they forget what has happened before i suppose in isolation this probably would have been a three of five but bearing in mind all of the things that have happened in other episodes which an audience will do even separated by several months because we are uh, i didn't just watch the past episodes um it's it's a difficult thing to get past. So, you know, it's I, I see why people would think it was like a three or a four, but I, I had to go to because the weight of all this adds up. It really just does for me. Fair. Um, so I I would probably give it a three, three and a half. I wouldn't go any higher than that because there are way too many questions produced by this episode, which we'll do in the question segment that are just dumb. 
But it was a tremendously fun episode for me. And what I was expecting was going to be a slog of the last couple of episodes because I truly believe they should have ended at 12. Yeah. Or 13, you know, like with the, with the finale, with, um, with Morgan edge, uh, being defeated and Superman overcoming, that is the natural end. It's all too much. And now that we know who the real villain is, and we'll talk about that in spoilers afterwards. And it's dumb. I'm even more upset that they didn't just end it there and leave all this stuff for the start of the next season to be easily resolved before moving on to better things. Yes, the real villain is actually one of the worst things that doesn't follow for me in this episode because the real villain is just not an entity. Yeah, and and again, like I had a ton of fun with this show, but it suffers from Batman and Robinitis. It can't decide who the actual antagonist is. Yeah, right, so or well, I think I think they have whatever antagonist is oh go ahead yeah so we start off with john henry irons who is the only good antagonist resolution like from top to bottom the way they handled his story where he is as a character right now relative to everybody else um is absolutely excellent um and then it looked like there was going to be a Leslie Lar Morgan Edge playing his usual Trumpian businessman type villain, manipulating people who may or may not have been Kryptonians or Daxamites or whatever into working for him. And no, they had to go weirder and bigger than that. So Leslie Lar and all of that wasn't the big deal. And then it was the typical Zod restoration of. Uh, Krypton on Earth plot, but without Zod and turning Morgan Edge into a completely different character. And now I won't go into spoilers yet until we say spoilers. Um, it they, They've now moved the goalpost again and we have a new primary antagonist. And I just feel like for a show that started off methodical and building layer upon layer of quality uh storytelling they just completely lost the thread of this thing well john henry was a good villain and john henry henry is a great uh secondary protagonist i suppose um i think that it wasn't handled excellently for me with john henry i think john henry was very light switch from he is the most evil man ever to i trust superman implicitly um but he was the better villain for the season thus far and morgan edge has never been clear like he, he what is what morgan edge is is what the plot demands and it go it, like he's he's the Kryptonian physical adversary when Superman requires it. He is the calculating business businessman when the plot requires it. He is the the sympathetic uh, simpering fool whose dad you know is manipulating him when when the plot calls for it. And um, there is an overall plan that he is adhering to that has yet to really be articulated. Um, is it that the Kryptonians destroy the earth and, and, and then take over it? Is it that Zod returns? Is it that, that Lucius L um, <laughs> becomes the new, the new uh, King of planet earth or uh, it's. Um... Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just, 
I'm I'm at a point with it where I want it to be over so I can see what they do and they regroup for season two. Yes. And I think that so, so there's this weird feeling that's kind of coming over me in the sense that, okay, so this is incoherent, but like looking at it in retrospect, and I'm curious to watch it all again and think about it, but all of the shows have a myriad of uh, a myriad of, um, individual flaws that make them very trying to watch at times. But the overall arc of this thing as a season is stronger than anything Smallville ever did or tried. Um, And I've been thinking about that a lot lately, Um, but it also benefits from peak TV. And in the era of peak TV, it is also lesser than many things that we've seen, but is also still similarly from what I understand in my impressions, better than almost any CW show that has been. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to call foul on that. So it has all the ingredients to be better than any CW show has ever been. So when the writing is good, it is orders of magnitude better than any of the CW shows have been and is on par with peak TV. When the writing is bad, it's actually more annoying than almost any of the other series, except for Supergirl when Supergirl is bad. Uh, I suppose it's the preponderance that I'm looking at, not necessarily the stories itself, like the cinematography, the music, yeah. the acting. Yeah, because even when it's, even when the plot's dumb, these actors act the hell out of every scene. No, but you know what? That's true out of all of the CW series. Um, there's there's been a consistent with the possible exception of grant gustin who basically has one mode um like Stephen amell was shockingly awesome as batman not batman uh, <laughs> like the I, arrow cave i would have thoroughly enjoyed in an alternate timeline where the Warner Brothers movie division weren't such giant douchebags. Oh, we totally forgot. We at the end of the episode, we need to talk about um, the other big thing in uh, in nerd news, which was the new Suicide movie came out, and it's glorious. Uh, it really is. Yeah. It was it was the first good DC movie of the modern era for me. Bite your tongue, Shazam and Aquaman are amazing. Uh, they were uh, they were worth one watch. I'm going to be watching Suicide Watch Squad again. Fair. Um, but yeah, like there, there's been a consistent quality of acting on the other series and I would watch the crap out of a Stephen Amell Batman show in an alternate universe where the Warner brothers movie division would allow it. Um, the legends of tomorrow cast is glorious, just absolutely glorious top to bottom. I love everybody that they've had in there. Uh, there there's always that the effects have always suffered. Like the CW has really thrown some, I'm assuming Colombian cocaine money at this thing. Uh, <laughs> Ex kryptonite cash. Yeah. Like what are you hiding in the ground? Why is the military here? Well, we're here for the money. The CW needs to make this show. That's why we're not. Leaving. Uh, <laughs> oh man. The military, we got to get into that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like consistently this show does have more of the ingredients for what we'd consider success than any of the others. And they just keep flubbing it on the writing. And the thing is, is I'm still having a good time with it. Like this episode earned a full point for me based solely on one moment in the episode. It took it from a two and a half to a three and a half. And can you guess what moment that was? The hammer. 
the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> hammer face, hammer face, hammer face. I had yeah. the same visceral reaction to that scene that I did when Steve catches Mjolnir in Avengers Endgame. <laughs> not, See, to I was, same, it, not to the same degree because that was building up for like 18 movies, but like the same type yeah. of reaction. Well, also everything that comes before Steve catches that is building, 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 building. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse here. It's like Lois, why the hell are you going on top of that building to service the plot? That makes no sense because <laughs> I quote, this is where mom dies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we do spoilers? Yeah, I guess we have to. I, I, I pooched it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we're 24 minutes in. So spoilers are. Yeah, that's true. All right. Yeah. So, um, spoilers. So I'm going to go through what. I, in a change of pace, what I didn't like in this episode, because I did give it a higher score and I feel it's fair to, to not just chuck you under the bus. Cause there is some, <laughs> there's some tripe in this thing. So can we talk for a moment about Beppo? No, actually first let's talk about the military. <laughs> the military is still occupying Smallville and we're told yes. that it's been a month. Uh, yes. Still there. And, I'll deal with the most obvious question later, which is why. Um, but like, are they, did, is the military still there just so that they could put Sam Lane in that car and have him get like heat visioned? I think the military is still there because they built a set and that's going to be where Sam Lane is in the show. And I think that they have it on main street until they come up with a better excuse for a place for Sam Lane to be in town. And I'm sure next year when they don't have to come up with the excuse and story, they'll build a nice set. That'll be the DOD inside. I don't know, so here, but I know that it, here's my problem with Sam Lane being there and this particular unit being there and then still being there a month later. So the episode opens with Morgan Edge as coming back to rescue Leslie Lar. I don't know why he waited a month. We don't find out what he did in the intervening month's time. That gap was nonsensical, except to drive <laughs> forward. High ABVs, bro! High ABVs! Yeah, yeah. like it, it makes no sense until you realize that they needed that month gap to make the terrible decision of having the Cushings move, which I totally <laughs> Uh, I'm going to rub that in forever because I finally got a prediction, right? Um, <laughs> Until next week when they stay. <laughs> yeah, they, they had to, Because of the power of love! <laughs> yeah, they had to justify that, and they couldn't justify that with them just going like through a couple of days of righteous anger from the town. Um, but this is the same world in which The Flash takes place and Supergirl takes place that's now been established. And yeah. this is the, I don't know why they keep calling it the DOD. Like it's, it's the frigging army. Like they keep referring to that. Like, why are the DOD? Like nobody would call this group of people, the department of defense. It's the army, right? Like it's very clearly yeah. the army. It's, it's the in-universe version of it. You know, like you call it uh, uh Q-Rack instead of Iraq. Sure. But you, you get what I'm saying, but like, yeah. This is a world in which there are super beings all over the place. This is not the Kansas National Guard. This is the U.S. Army. 
why is this particular unit that has been built to deal with massive, massive threats hanging out in a town where Morgan Edge and every other threat that's hitting this world all the time isn't? Well, there's this false premise in the show they keep banging on. Like, you can't go to school because more Gen Edge might get you. You the, the DOD has to say because they might be able to help with Morgan Edge. And going to school hasn't protected them. Nowhere they can be would protect you from a Kryptonian. And the DOD being in town makes absolutely no sense because nothing they can do will stop a Kryptonian as John Henry has made very, very clear through his past flashback. And yeah. yet they still undermine that at the end, you know, like they, they go to Metropolis for the fight. So the DOD can't do anything to help. And then, then there's no technology that they send with Superman and, and seal to the fight. Yeah. And it's just a ridiculous hodgepodge of like weird they, they do all this seemingly to line up Lois and Clark with Sam Lane so that he can continue to be a presence in the show, but he's a monster and, yeah. and, and it's making de facto what it ends up doing is making Lois and Clark spout fascist talking points. Like, yes, yes. Until the security crisis is over, we have to have these jackbooted thugs in town telling our children when to go out yeah. and when not to be out and, the and running thing. the streets with impunity. So, so weird. And like, so, so I'm American, right? I've been through 9-11 and I've watched this arc be traced in the in the days after 9-11 when it would have been unthinkable to see a military soldier on an American street to see people with long guns walking the streets of New York and the terror that came with that and watching that entire thing go past the Rubicon to the point of where now Caesar is in the streets and we're all like, yes, this is fine. This is normal. Right. I mean, it's, no, a, it's no. a personal affront to me. You just highlighted what makes this whole thing with the military in Smallville so stupid. Did go you, for it. Did you live in New York during the period of time where all of that was happening no not at all so how did you know it was happening the internet and because you watched video of it on tv right um yeah but i also read on the street things oddly enough there was less live video back then so it was a lot of reading like i remember reading with panic um stories at the time, live talking but, about how, but, as but, after the planes had crashed, that there were missiles coming too. But my, you my, know, my point is, is for a year at least afterwards, there was round-the-clock yeah. reporter coverage in New York City. Talking oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the press in this? Oh, where? Oh, like, the press has. Where, well, like, so see, that's. Oh, oh, whoa, where yeah. seventy-five people just flew, and the military has deployed. Yeah unit to basically occupy it semi-permanent like where's the press that's another conceit of the plot that is terrible they they, they paid some lip service to it last episode they were like we have to keep this a secret if it gets out that morgan edge is doing this there will be a panic that's why we haven't been giving interviews that's why we're not telling people things and that is fine 
1975. In yeah. 2020, people have cellular phones. I don't remember where it was I read online, but I think it was an XKCD where they were talking about, well, now we know that there's no Bigfoot or no Loch Ness because everybody has a video camera on them at all times. And there's no way if this thing existed, it wouldn't already be an internet phenomenon. In 4K, none of this blurry film photo stuff anymore. Yeah, no, 100%. Yes. So, so Everyone's fight with their neighbors is online, even when it's not a clear example of yeah. racism. If someone's dog craps on your yard, it's on the internet in 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, yeah, so all of that irritates me no end. Like, the whole military thing, the lack of media. Um, Beppo and her paper and what's happening there was just stupid. <laughs> okay, so, so first of the all... The people... Okay, so I, I just I just want to be super clear on what's happening here. So they have managed to keep the mainstream press out of town, despite <laughs> the fact that teenagers would certainly have posted pictures of tanks and jackbooted thugs in their town on Facebook, and that would have attracted some attention from some of the bigger cities in Kansas, at least from those reporters and newspapers. Well, and you know, the lowest lane of the world, like the number one female journalist in, yeah. in that universe. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so that is a thing that they have established is happening. They have somehow managed to keep the press at bay, except they haven't bothered to stop Beppo from publishing her newspaper, which <laughs> apparently has an outside of Smallville readership because a multinational conglomerate is trying to <laughs> buy it for no reason. And I don't know how any of that makes sense. It's 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 weird because writers would know. Writers on a corporate TV show would know how it works. I, I went to a dinner once with the famous comic book professional. And I was lamenting the fact that I've been trying for years and years to get published. And without a company, you go nowhere, no matter how good it is or how crappy it is. You have to have some kind of juice or fame or people have to know who you are. And I was just sitting there. I was going like, so... So the thing is, though, like if I get to the point of where these comic book companies would want anything to do with me then I won't need these comic book companies. And this, this famous professional tapped himself on the forehead and was like, you got it kid, because that's what it is. It's it's, and, and that's the problem with this scene. And anyone who's been in writing or this grind would know this. It, if Beppo has a newspaper that anyone wants to read and she's an indie press person. She doesn't need these multinationals. But if she if she doesn't attract the attention of these multinationals because she has a small paper, the logic doesn't track. It's just and, yeah, it's from, ludicrous. From first principles, it doesn't track. It is 2021. When was the last time you walked into a Starbucks and saw anyone reading a print newspaper? Or even a, like even online papers are are ridiculously outdated compared to Twitter and Facebook and 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 even well, YouTube whoa, whoa, and stuff. Whoa, whoa. No, here, okay. So I believe I I wrote a blog article back in the late two thousands, early aughts, when blogging was still okay um, about how citizen journalism was going to take over. And that was not a great thing. Uh, yes. 
And I still believe firmly that citizen journalism is the worst possible thing that can happen to transparency because good journalism allows us to see what is real, whereas citizen journalism allows us to see what is subjectively important to any individual person and raises their ire and generates their outrage. Well, and so I don't believe that the online, like, so like the, the journalism that the Washington Post in particular did during the Trump era was hugely important and not at all out of date, I don't feel. My, my argument here is nobody is buying physical newspapers. So why, why would any multinational conglomerate and i love that they use that phrase like nobody <laughs> talks like this um why would they buy like there's got to be something if there isn't something to that story i think i said to you in chat earlier if it's not perry white using shell companies to buy this paper so that lois lane is de facto on his payroll again i don't know what the well, that arc is of course, that's going to be what it is. But to what you were saying, I I, I like the idea of citizen journalists, journalists coupled with the larger entities. But they're both they both very clearly have lenses. You're watching CBS News and you're getting corn fed news. You watch uh, you know you watch OAN. You're getting a, you're getting a super slant. Um, yeah. But like we need the Hunter Thompsons too, and that's one of the things. Honestly, just outside of um, outside of the the plot that has interested me about Substack lately is I've been reading a lot of independent journalists that have absolutely no apparatus that are that are doing some pivotal reporting yeah. but 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 we're talking about the general audience here I'm a really weird policy pol politics facts wonk most people get all of their news from you know like I their hate, Facebook page I hate you for using the the word wonk um, what yeah like a policy what like like I like uh, I, I I like studying the way that politics work what 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 drives your contempt for wonk just the fact that it was the noun that everybody went to to describe Paul Ryan and oh no <laughs> no no Ryan is Ryan is a shill there's a difference between a wonk and a shill like for instance uh, Biden is a wonk or uh, even even Sanders is a wonk because they're they're all about these even Obama was a wonk. like the, this idea of like through policy, we can solve people's uh, problems. Yeah. Um, it's it's an idealistic thing. Paul Ryan has no ideals. He's he's just a yeah. he's an empty vessel yeah, for so other people's other rich people's ideas. If, if, <laughs> if the story with Beppo's paper doesn't have exactly the resolution that I just described, it makes less than no sense. Like it's just well, that's that's what's frustrating about it though. It's like it's introduced in the episode and it's not paid off, so that when they're doing the denouement next episode, they're gonna. Be like and guess what you're back at the planet lois but still in smallville and you're the smallville and, um, branch of the daily planet yes that's right it'll be it'll be the smallville planet you know and, or something like that and but, so is clark um yeah well that's exactly it yeah so so those two things the military occupation and everything that stems from it and beppo really bothered me the thing that bothered me the most just because it was so dumb <laughs> um was so at the end of the episode, they uh, Edge 
captures Jordan. And we'll talk about that because I disagree with you. I think it makes sense that it was Jordan that he picked. Kind of, except they screwed up the reasoning for why you would do that by converting a whole bunch of Metropolis residents into... Actually, sorry, there were four things. Okay, so the whole... This is, this is thing three, and then I'll get to thing four. Thing three is there was great pain taken to explain to us that the reason Edge was in Smallville was because Smallville residents' consistent exposure to X-Kryptonite was what allowed the transformation process to work in humans without killing them. Correct? I, I think I get this. I actually, wait, I think I know where you're going, but... Hear me out. But am I right? Was that not established? Yeah, that was established. So Edge goes to Metropolis and starts shoving Kryptonian consciousnesses into the bodies of Metropolis citizens without benefit of XK or without said benefit of prolonged exposure to XK. None of this mechanism that they've established over the course of this season makes a lick of sense. And what I was going to say was it makes sense to take Jordan rather than Jonathan because Jordan has obviously manifested the side effects of Kryptonian DNA. So even though he hasn't been in Smallville for long enough, he'll be a stable host for, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lucius L. Lucius L. Yeah. Uh, he'll be a stable host for Lucius L. Uh, but that <laughs> follows because we just literally watched Morgan Edge stuff Kryptonians into a bunch of regular, ordinary, non-XK exposed Metropolis citizens, and none of them exploded, and they all had the full set of powers, despite the fact that the earlier well, experiments only had one or two powers, and they were unstable. And uh, like, So I, outside of the bit, outside of the explain things bit that we do on the show, I do actually have explanations for this. I don't like them, but I can explain for the show. And there is there is a legitimate out that they have that that I that I'm resentful they have because it's actually not fair. Um, they just didn't define the parameters, which you have to do in a show of people who fly and shoot fire from their eyes. But they don't explicitly state that the people in Metropolis are not Smallville transplants that that he brings in. They also indicate but do not state directly that part of the reason why edge came to smallville in the first place was because he didn't want to have to become the eradicator so he tried doing it his way which is presumably getting xk exposed people to become kryptonians and then when that failed he becomes the eradicator and then the process somehow becomes faster or easier or he can do it directly and he doesn't need the xk is the implication i kind of took but it's not stated and it is a stretch i suppose okay but this all leads into my least favorite beat of the episode which is the fact that the consciousness that gets stuffed into uh gordon <laughs> is lucius l yes. what is his name can you look it up please because it's uh it, it Talro and then uh oh god zeta row was it zeta row i don't know hang on let us see I'll, I'll i'll hit i'll try google food tal rose father see the problem is lucius l is so much funnier it is. um let's see roller no that's star trek uh zeta row zeta right. row did i say zeta row you did i can remember that 
Yeah, it, my memory it, isn't gone yet. It makes no sense for it to be Zeta Row. They have one out and it's lazy. And I'll tell you what that is afterwards. But here's why it makes no sense that it's Zeta Row. They make this huge deal of putting Zod in Clark. Yeah. Now, when Clark suppresses Zod's consciousness, they don't say that Zod's consciousness isn't dead or is dead. This is a computer. Presumably it has backup files. Like on 20, in 2021, on Earth, my crappy home PC has backups of everything in the cloud. There's no way that it's one and done. And they gamble general freaking Zod on Clark to just lose that consciousness forever if it goes sideways, right? So that was supposed to be the penultimate thing. Zod was going to take over the body of the scion of the House of L and Talro is going to be so edge was going to be subservient to him because this was all what that was leading up to so why why put zeta row in jordan unless they're arguing that it's sentimentality which makes no sense or a feeling of obligation on Edge's part, which would make sense, except for they just established in this episode that he's not Edge anymore, and his consciousness has been completely taken over by the Eradicator programming. And they do the whole, well done, son, and he nods approvingly, even though he's the Eradicator, which is brainless, yeah. yeah I think like, that they're, they're still... The only out they've got is that Zeta Rowe programmed the Eradicator software to prioritize him. Or that they want Superman for Zod still, or that Zod wants Superman's body for whatever reason. For whatever um, reason. Like, yeah, for, for reasons. Yeah. It's just such an irritating, weird choice to put poor man's Baron Harkonnen into Jordan. Um, <laughs> oh, he really is. Like, if you go back to the 2000s version of uh, Doom that they did on the sci fi. Channel. They did a 2000s Dune? Yeah, man. Did you never see oh, that? Oh, wow. No, I, you know, you're going to hate me for this, but I've never really gotten into or liked Dune. I oh. tried so hard. I tried reading that book two or three times. It was just, and then I, I fell asleep during the movie three or four times. The only thing that ever entertained me really about Dune was uh, was that bad parody video on the internet. Put your hand in the box of pain! Oh. Um, <laughs> but, so, but so I mean, I, I, I know the reference, but... So just so you understand how much that grieves me... Ben has known the litany of fear off by heart since he was five because yeah. I made him memorize it before he went on his first roller coaster ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a thing that we can, uh, there's a thing we can do this summer is watch the 2000 Dune and the regular Dune and the new Dune. And, uh, well this winter, I suppose I'm so yeah. confused because the, sh the show usually ends in summer. That's why yeah, I yeah, said absolutely. that. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so those things irritated me. And I was head scratching while I was watching the episode, but the stuff that worked worked so well that I just ultimately was, I was fine with it. Right. So like the scene between Jordan or Jonathan and John Henry Irons was gold, right? Yeah. Like the moment in that scene where Jonathan uh, where John <laughs> has just said to Jonathan that his daughter helped him build the suit, and Jonathan's like, "Oh, that's so cool." And John and and John Henry Irons looks at him and he's like, "Nah, man, 
that's not cool. She had just <laughs> lost her mother. She was terrified for her life. We were living in a bunker. We didn't have food. She, yeah. What this thing represents is the death of my world and everything I love. Screw you. Yeah. It's not cool. No, it's the equivalent. It, it's just a direct translation to like like some some corn fed white boy walking into a room and picking up like a gas mask with scars on it and stuff and and uh, you know like from the protests of 2020 from some from you know a daughter getting shot by the cops at close yeah. range and picking it up oh this is rad man and it's the exact same reaction that he has like no that has weight and that has significance and and that means a thing yeah and it was it was heavy and it was great and it was the exact appropriate response and the actor who plays john henry irons or both of them actually sold the wrath out of it it was a great scene it was it was weirdly out of place yeah and the only thing that bothered me about it was it made me realize that the whole reason they're doing this like weird uh Buddhist temple fight club stand outside the temple and receive no encouragement for three days while eating no food or water. And then we'll let you in and train you a bit between John Henry and Jonathan (laughs) is because Jonathan is going to become like the Iron Man to uh, Gordon's ultimate villainy and turn down the dark side because his girlfriend leaves town who he suddenly loves. Uh, Well, I'm hoping that what they're not doing is being like, yeah, he's going to be Steel Jr. because we're not going to bring in Matt. I hope that they don't go that way. Um, I don't think Jonathan needs powers. I know everybody's like, he's going to get power. I don't think either of them need powers. I think that can be a slow burn background thing that the show ends with. That's what Smallville could have been is, you know, in, in terms of like, like four years in, give them powers as they turn into adults, maybe. But Jonathan just being Superman's son is fine as character. Yeah, I mean it really is. Like, you do- that. They're, like they're telegraphing it so hard. So yeah, somehow going to recover from um, from. So one of two things will happen: either Jordan will not recover. Clark is not going to be able to fight the body of his own son. Jordan, because of his anxiety, does not have the will that Clark has, so he's not going to be able to kick Zeta Rowe out of his head. And Jonathan is going to be the one that suits up and puts him down like a dog. Um, nah. No, that's that's one scenario I can see being extremely plausible because it that this show, oh. the writers on this show like symmetry. And that creates an alternate version of the brother v brother conflict between Talro and Clark. Well, yeah, they could also. I, I I see. Okay, so here you go. Superman and Steel both defeated, and then uh, and then Jonathan coming in with the suit. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, I hope they don't go that route though, because steel should, that would undermine steel and steel does not need to be undermined. He just went toe to toe with four Kryptonians. I think think either that's going to happen or the season, which ends next episode is going to end with them somehow getting Zeta Rose consciousness out of Jordan, but the Cushing still leaving town and that, breaking Jordan's tiny little heart into a billion pieces and him going all dark side. And now he'll be fully powered up because of residual, whatever effect from having in him, which is a really creepy, weird thing to 
have to, I hate the show for making me use those words. Um, but yeah, like they are inevitably leading up to a Jonathan versus Jordan, which is why they did the completely unnecessary, stupid thing of making Zeta Rowe Clark's half brother. Right. Foreshadow that conflict. And we know, perhaps we know they like that kind of foreshadowing because the whole reason they showed us Lois dying, covering those events in Metropolis was so that they could show her in the exact same scenario in this universe. <laughs> and it was bad the first time it came through. I, I don't know if I remember if I took a shot, but it was bad then. Too. It was like, hello, it's me, Lois Lane, standing right where I'm going to be murdered horribly on this rooftop right next to people who shoot fire from their eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> news at 11. Oh, wait, no, no news at all. I'm dead. Yeah. It, <laughs> you know, it, it's like... It wasn't, it wasn't ideal. Um, so that... that scene with Jonathan and and John Henry Irons was tainted for me a little bit because it foreshadows what's going to happen but ultimately it was still a great great moment um i loved sarah being the voice of the audience calling her parents idiots um yeah. like everything about lana and kyle well okay so let me back up there are, much like there are two Loises on this show, there is the Lois that serves the plot, and there is the real Lois who is excellent. There are mm -hmm. two Lanas in this show. I don't know if I've seen the other Lana after the third episode, though. Yeah, I see where you're going, but... I saw her in the conversation with Clark in this episode, which was great and touching and wonderful and showed their past relationship, even though that hasn't really been earned up to this point in the series. Yeah. Um, and they showed it in her recognizing that something was going on when Morgan Edge was doing all the testing on the subjects that she was finding for him and immediately going and betraying her husband's trust and going to Lois and Clark and being like, something's wrong in Denmark. How can I help? Um, they do show this other positive um version of her and then when the plot necessitates it we get stuff like don't you be angry at your father yeah well they show good intentions and that's that's an important thing they don't show good actions they show good intentions and good intentions or good stated behavior as opposed to good shown behavior do not a good character make this is the huge this is the problem with the lana from smallville going all the way back Face it, Lana, you're amazing with no demonstrable actions ever being amazing. She didn't do anything to undermine Edge. She didn't stop her husband from talking it up. She doesn't take care of her children when her husband is drinking by removing them from that situation. And granted, she may be a victim of circumstances in some ways, and it may be something that she could not have avoided because of her lot in life or the way that she grew up or any number of factors. That's not me saying she should have known better because sometimes people are simply ignorant. But in terms of like her being a good character or a noble character, or the kind of character that we can look at and say, that's a moral person in it when, when everything is weighed yeah, I would say that I have not seen that from Lana since the first couple episodes when she's like, yeah, I get people good loans or, oh, no, I really want to take care of you and your suicidal ideations. It, 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 a 
all I see right now is her backing her husband's play when the play is like, uh, let's blame the entire town for me murdering a couple of people. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're... <laughs> and nearly killing my family and choking my wife and choking my wife's best friend's uh, wife. Yeah. And, um, you know, like like nearly getting my children killed and traumatizing my daughter and getting her kidnapped. It's the, the list town... goes on and on and on. No, it's the town who are wrong. Um, That's right. It's the definitely the town, the town who don't want to die, like the town who are, if you will, putting on masks. And the town, They're the problem. And the town who have amnesia, apparently. But we'll talk about yeah. that in the right, right, right. question section. Um, Curse them for reading the paper. Yeah. But then you move into Metropolis and... <laughs> Like, okay, aside from the corny staging of uh, Leslie Lar and um, Morgan Edge, and apparently the fact that Morgan Edge is much worse at this whole infect a bunch of Kryptonians than whoever infected Clark, I'm presuming it was Zod, was in John Henry Irons' universe. Um, He's far worse at this whole thing. That fight scene, man, that was... All super cool. That costs a couple of nickels. I was like, oh, that's why we got the bottle episode. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Also, though, like, I I just didn't, I... I put I put it in the review too. Like I I acknowledged that it was very, very well done. But I'm just like, "Ah, I don't care. I don't care. You know, like like none of the visual effects really wow me anymore, even as it gets more and more crystal clear, even as you know, like you could have a scene in this latest Black Widow movie with Scarlett Johansson and 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 Pew or whatever her last name is, like sitting and talking in a bar, but it's all green screen green and it looks so real you can't distinguish it. That doesn't impress me. All I care about is like, oh yeah, Steve caught the hammer. Oh my god, Steve caught the hammer, you know? And you're yeah. sitting there, you're like because because you have so much story leading up to that and i know all around him you have all of these characters appearing from the woodwork and you have thanos with this double-bladed thing and it's and that's a cartoon that's not a real man that's a cartoon but it looks so real but but you know i don't care about any of that i really don't i care about seeing steve have this moment of pure joy when he's like i'm going to defeat evil again even though it looked like i couldn't that's you know, what matters. You know what? You know what? My, my comic, my inner comic book geek at Clark and John Henry teaming up to take down a real threat, the moment of realization when they know that it, that it ain't Edge anymore, um, the, the, the way in which they work together so fluidly, the spotlight being put on John Henry, the fact that he's the one that saves Lois instead of Clark saving Lois and the way in which he does it, like that hammer scene. Oh, that hammer scene was good. It reminded me a lot in tone and I'm almost absolutely certain it was the result of a conversation of, Hey, you remember that scene in winter soldier when Samuel L. Jackson's in his bulletproof car, and he's waiting for weapons to come back online, and they're doing that weird countdown with the AI. Let's do that, but with John Henry Irons and his suit and his hammer. Uh, also, why did the hammer malfunction? It seems like they were leading into maybe Jonathan had done something to it, but like, there's no reason it would not work. It malfunctioned because they needed it to malfunction because they needed to do that cool scene, and it was cool. But My it, hammer, yeah. The the on the, I, they did the rocks thing twice. It drives me nuts. Of I never miss was 
absolutely glorious and it's so weird that it was such a chubby rain moment though like like when you when you have this like like how can it not be a character moment about how john henry has finally found closure like it's it's like gotcha sucker you know like it's it's weird as a choice i mean i I cheered i cheered i get it but but this goes back to your criticism earlier and i think they they i disagree with you fundamentally that it was light switch for him he didn't trust Clark until it became apparent to him that the Superman that he hated hadn't actually been Superman. Like the sub, right. the subtext of all of that was it took him being able to see behind the curtain to what Edge was doing to realize that Superman hadn't betrayed his planet, Superman hadn't murdered his wife, that it was someone else driving his body and then he could trust superman again and they right but well what i'm saying is as as a as a rational man and as a logical man which john henry clearly is he would not like like the whole premise is kind of fundamentally flawed in that like superman doesn't beat him into the ground the minute he sees them he is a noble dude and and granted if John Henry is thinking well then he's going to be taken over and made into a zombie and kill the kill the earth that's one thing but once it's very clear that superman is going to actively fight it there is no reason for john henry to doubt him no especially but, given that he's always been good no but here's here's the thing and i and i've taken you to task for this before and i'm right and you're wrong <laughs> you view so there's two types of character inconsistency and one of them is garbage writing and one of them actually follows in a way that I don't think that you recognize. And you conflate the two of them in your critiques of character behaviors. Okay. And the two types of character inconsistencies that exist in any piece of writing or any piece of media are one character inconsistency that serves the plot and completely abandons anything that we already know about that character And character inconsistency number two is person acts differently than they typically act. And you mush those two together and treat them as the same thing. And in this particular case, you're not recognizing that John Henry Iron's entire motivation as explained from moment one when we thought he was captain luthor was his world and eventually we find out his wife and his daughter and everyone that he loves was murdered by someone who looks like superman and the superman world was noble and heroic and everything else until he wasn't and there's no way that a man driven by that much emotion is going to deal rationally with that one thing well no matter how rational and calculated he is the rest of the time, those kinds of character inconsistencies aren't bad writing. They're revealing that your character is human. I can make it more I can make it more plain through an example that I'm I'm not fond of, but it's it's the one that immediately springs to my mind. And it's why I know I'm right. Ha! Um so there is this thing that I've encountered with racist relatives and dumb people that I no longer associate with where like, say they get mugged by a black dude 
And then for the rest of their life, anytime they see a black dude, there's a little racism surfacing in there. You know, like they, they, they always are like, and, and they, they, they'll talk to you about it in unguarded moments because sometimes white people do that when white people are alone and they don't like to talk about it, but they do. They say, these, you know, I think this, I'm not a racist, but, and it's one of the things that they say, they're like, yeah, you know, that one time I got, I, I can't help but look every time now and see this and, and, you know, it, it gets to me and, and, and I know it's wrong, but I do it anyway. That is not the impulse of a wise or rational person. And it is not the thing that, the, so, so there are people who keep going with it and you know them, they're the uncle that always screws up Thanksgiving. Right. And then there are the people who get the degree at MIT and can build a hammer that you can throw a thousand yards and come back to your hand. And those are the people that think rationally about things and they get mugged by a black guy once and they don't go all black people are muggers. They go, this person is a bad example of the kind of person that has negatively affected me, nah. but it has nothing to do with the color of their skin. And just because this man who mugged me was wearing a Superman shirt doesn't mean that this man who is not that man is the same man. And it's irrational and it doesn't follow. And, 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 and of all the people that would understand that a black man would understand that more now, than almost anyone. Cause here's, here's the thing is people are not rational we sorry sorry audience we're, we're gonna talk uh neurobiology for a second <laughs> but the part of your brain that makes decisions is basically is what we used to call the lizard brain it's the emotional center of your brain it has no capacity for language it cannot be reasoned with and confirmation bias is its most appealing drug and it does not matter how much civilization you put on top of that. The thing in us that makes decisions is emotional. We know that. That is science. That is the way we are built. And if you have a strong emotional association with a thing, you will have sense memory trigger effects around that thing forever. And you have to actively work for years and years and years and want to make it go away before it will go away. That's just how we're built, man. Well, sure. Right. But okay. In counterpoint to that, <laughs> my mother tried to stab me to death with a knife when I was 15. Was All right. Okay. She, she came at me. And she tried to kill me. And ever since then, every time someone just, that, that sound, that shing, yeah. it messes me up. Like there's a scene in Breaking Bad where the family is fighting. And it's very similar to this traumatic event that happened to me where like uh, 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 Skyler has to draw a knife on Walter to get him to leave. Yes. And it is wrecking for me. It wrecks me every single time, right? Um, it's wrecking me right now thinking about it. Right. But through hard work as a rational and intellectual person, I look at every time a knife pops up and I go, no, this is just that which you described, Julian. It is, this is an but, electrical but just, impulse. Just, this is chemical. This is BS. This confirmed my theory because you just said, and I'm going to quote you directly here through right. hard work. You've got well, right. So but what I'm pointing at is here's here's the thing. John Henry is not a person who shrinks from hard work. No, John Henry is a no. But what's that? It's been two months. He's gone in two months from Superman is an enemy in disguise. He will turn on you and destroy your world the same way that he destroyed mine. To 
okay, this is what actually happened on my world to, okay, I can work with this person. That's well, sure. Too but this is not, is not, so all I'm saying, all I'm saying so, is people can behave in a moment yes. in inconsistent emotional ways that don't line up with your character sure. as previously described. And it ain't bad writing. It's human. Well, a bias, a bias is developed over time with repetition, right? Well, not through, know. not through one, one incident, like, like the, the beer trauma. What's, yeah, right. But what I'm saying is like, like even two months after this event that I've described, right? Yeah. Like if someone had pulled a knife in front of me to cut a pear, I wouldn't have immediately gone villain, kill him. You know, like that is, that is not rational behavior, even for a 15 year old. Sure, right. But, and, and John Henry is, is a John and John Henry has been established as an intellectual. He's going to know about confirmation bias and all these things we just described. He's yeah. going to be the kind of person who knows that to overcome your problems, you have to do a lot of work, like building a battle suit, for instance, yeah. or traveling to another dimension or, you know, like, so what I'm getting at is it's not that I don't understand why they did it, but I don't think it's, it's correct to say that it's that I'm misreading a consistent character foible. It's that they chose that he was going to be irrational about this because it services the plot, but that's not the way that people who, cause like in college, they tell you the finest thing that you can do when examining a problem is be wrong. Um, so that you can revise your opinion. And it's the kind of thing that the average Joe Alana or a Kyle yeah. or a Jonathan or a Jordan or a Sarah might make a mistake with, but it's someone who is a trained intellectual or a trained engineer would not do. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they did, if they did, it would have, it would have to have reason behind you're, it. And there's no reason behind it. Cause he sees a counterexample. You're being way too binary. There were in in the voting base that decided that locking kids in cages and breaking yeah. every law known to man and uh, calling the free press an enemy of the people for reporting the stuff that you were doing. Sure. That huge 80 million person pool of voters. We know that there were trained engineers and we know that there were trained doctors and we know that there were trained architects and lawyers and people of higher socioeconomic status that weren't just voting for their wallet. They were voting because emotionally those things resonated with them and made sense to them. There is no guarantee that higher education overcomes emotional garbage. It's just that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. But, but my <laughs> argument here, my argument here, no, bear with me. My argument here is that John Henry has been demonstrated to be an empathetic and kind and caring person yeah. and a reasonable person. Like he sees that one thing follows from the next and though the show gives him a murder camper and though the show makes it because the, the whole bit where they need him to be a villain. So they make him a villain is the most unfortunate part of what no, they did they with him. Tricked us into thinking he's a villain because he right. actually hurt anybody who's not a soldier. And the soldier, well, the soldiers that he hurts are soldiers that he knows implicitly are working with Superman. But 
they do some things like they have him nearly blow up a city. They have him ready to murder Superman when Superman is trying to talk to yeah. him. They have him. Yeah. These are all things that, that a person of, of no, John's character would I not can, do. I consider you a really good friend. If you went from being who you are purportedly right now to yeah. Ted Bundy tomorrow, sure. I, would, I would put you down without hesitation. And if I somehow found myself in an alternate reality with another Neil Bailey who acted fundamentally the same as you, I'd probably try <laughs> to preemptively kill him too. Um, no, what you would do is you'd come to me and you'd say, Neil, you become Ted Bundy in this alternate universe. Why? How did that happen? How can we avoid it? You were a great guy. I mean, I hope. <laughs> like, that's what you would do. That is why this is flawed. Yeah. I, I, All right. Anyway, we're, we're belaboring the point. We are. We are. I, I, I still think you're being too binary with it, but I can leave it alone for this week. Okay. It's okay so, to be wrong. Should we? <laughs> I know. I know. And I hope you console yourself with that fact later. Um, <laughs> I will when I'm tucking your mother in. Oh, so many ABVs, dude. <laughs> now watch. You're going to be like, my mother tried to stab me with a knife when I'm 15, when I was yeah, 15. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay. <laughs> let's let's questions okay i i have some questions sure hit me with it okay so first question and this this is for for context right okay so we see this scene in the school where presumably half of smallville has shown up to yell at a army general for hanging around right um and Presumably, <laughs> people that are in this school are the only people in town that are reading Beppo's paper, or there'd be more of those people because she's the only person reporting on any of this stuff. Because, as previously discussed, no media has decided to come to Smallville to report on all of this weirdness. <laughs> so, in that that scene, generates two questions. The first question generated is. Do all of the residents of Smallville have amnesia? Because there's not a chance in a town that size that at least half the people in there weren't amongst the previously Kryptonian possessed who were floating in the sky and who currently, as established by the plot, should still have superpowers because the consciousness is gone, but the exposure to XK isn't. Um, You know, I think what that is, is like, um, so... <clears throat> when grandma flew up into the sky to put heat vision on the giant egg, like, <laughs> so you were talking about cognitive biases. Here's the thing. Like when you see your grandmother fly into the sky and shoot things with a giant egg, you block that memory. You completely suppress it. Right. Or, or what they're doing is um, they're they're keeping quiet about it so that they can uh, go to an alternate dimension and immediately kill Grandma before she becomes the Egg Woman. Okay, okay. Uh, that's thing one. The other thing is uh, these people weren't actually there to speak with Sam Lane. It was a confusing situation. Everybody thought that they were going to be getting coupons for the chilies, and that's why uh, all the Karens and Darrens showed up because they need two for one night since they lost their job at the mines. <laughs> Okay, okay, I can accept both those. Um, the second question that stems from that scene happens a little later when Beppo is explaining that a multinational conglomerate has made her an offer to buy her. <laughs> <laughs> 
presumably more than Twizzlers, um, where she says that she has no choice but to accept the offer because she doesn't know how long she can keep the paper out of the red. That's right. No, no. I think she states it like, I'll be out of the black in the month. Like she was ever in the black with a small paper. But go on, go on, go on. So the question that generates is if presumably these are the only people that are reading her paper are in that room and there's like 50 to 70 people in that room. Right, right. Right. Um, And assuming that she has somehow got all of those people on a $30 a month, so a dollar a day paper delivery subscription service, how is she in the black in a way that allows her to pay herself and Lois anything resembling not slave wages? Oh, my God. I totally, totally have the answer to this. All right. So all of those adults, as I've already explained, were there for the Chili's coupons. They don't know what the hell is happening. But uh, that mom, what was the name of the mom who lost the kid? Oh, I can't remember. I know who you're talking about. That scene was great. Well, Yeah, she was the only one there actually for Sam Lane. And what happened there was um, she is the only subscriber to that paper, (laughs) but she has... 470 subscriptions and it's because she's one of those parrot ladies like that uh like that one uh gal on that reality show she has 400 parrots and she needs to line the cage so what she does is she puts these 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 newspapers all over her house like a hoarder and the parrots just live with her and that's actually coincidentally how she got so distracted she lost track of her son and he got killed in the mines so now she's super super mad but you know like she's 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 looking after um um wordsworth which is her favorite parrot and she's lining the bottom of his cage with today's paper and she sees what's going on and then she goes there and of course she's um she she says that very unfortunate thing to poor lois who in her head is just going <laughs> okay, but Neil, the problem with that argument is, as mm-hmm. previously established, there's no way that Beppo's paper has gotten out of Smallville because if it had other media, it would be in Smallville. And oh, that, and that woman lives in a different town. Oh no, no, man. So okay, here's here's what you're not getting. All right, so this lady is straight crazy. She just mocked the woman who had a miscarriage. She is angry. This is an angry, angry woman. So what she does is, ever since her son died, because she can't get over the grief, she's developed a cognitive bias towards blaming everyone else in the world for the fact that her son is dead. So she attaches uh, crap-filled newspapers to her parrots and sends them off into the world, and then they drop on other people's houses, and they're like, who sent me this awful message? And then they pick it up, right? And they, they see, and, and what, what, what the, this guy, like, he's got a mansion and, like, 50 servants and two trophy wives, and he's going out, and he, boom, he gets hit by a newspaper, and he, picks, he shakes it off, he's like, I'm gonna find out who sent me this message and and she he reads it and he's like wow this is actually astonishing journalism and so he doesn't actually his his corporation doesn't care this is a vanity project and also he has a weird strange attack uh, attraction to the guano of parrots so he also had an unfortunate um that's his cognitive bias he has an irrational uh attraction to parrots that we shouldn't go into any further into but anyway that explains all of this okay okay i have two more questions and then we'll wrap it up okay the third question is what kind of teenagers ignoring the fact that they're having a party in the middle of the day and they're all day drinkers and that says the <laughs> population in smallville ignoring that for a second have you ever when you were a younger man been to an illicit house party with booze and teenage girls where you had the news on like, 
How do they even know what's happening in Metropolis? Why is anybody watching CNN at that house? And that like, I don't understand any of that. Well, well, Julian, I was an unpopular young lad uh, when I was a young man, and I never really got invited to any parties. I got invited to a party when I was 18 once, and I remember the joke was I go up onto the porch, and it's, uh, of course, I went, to a, uh, I went to a private high school and paid my own tuition. And I went onto this, uh, onto this porch of this rich person's house, and I'd never seen the like of it. And I turned to my buddy, and I'm like, my entire house could fit onto this porch. And he turned to me, and he goes, twice. Um, you know, so I didn't really get to go to many parties, but I do actually know why they had the news on. Um, and the unfortunate truth is that um, one of these kids is the bastard son of Parrot Lady. And she said that the only way he could go to the party is if he took he took the, the he turned the TV on and watched for news about who had been hit by the newspapers recently because now she's she's sending more parrots because she she just saw the effect that it had on Beppo and her paper and now she's training a fleet and this is also kind of paradoxically causing the problem to spiral because she's ordering more papers but yeah no essentially that is her bastard son sitting there going oh god I don't want to make her mad and um. <clears throat> The funniest thing about it is uh, um, that uh, Edge is the father. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Final question. Are you ready? I'm going. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. So the Eradicator attacks the car holding Jordan and Jonathan and Sam and Sarah. For some inexplicable reason, and this is not the question, he chooses rather than to do whatever it was that he came there to dramatically pause and hover in the road in front of the car to see what they're going to do next. Right. So that's the scene in which we find ourselves. Sam Lane says, Hey, I got a kryptonite gun in my glove compartment. (laughs) (laughs) You got a permit for that, Sam? Jordan or Jonathan, I need you to hold that gun and shoot it through the glass window that is still there, the the windshield, at that man. Right. Why does Morgan Edge, who has super hearing and is presumably, like, he's got to be listening in on that conversation because I don't know why else he's just hovering there not doing whatever it is that he came (laughs) to do. Why does he stand there and wait for 17 minutes for while Jonathan holds the gun and readies the gun and aims the gun before just flying over to the car, ripping the door off and stealing Jordan like he planned? Like, why would a super intelligent Kryptonian computer hellbent on converting Earth to new Krypton do any of those things? Well, the logical answer is that it knows that kryptonite is a threat, and it knows that these people are stupid enough to shoot that threat away from the car where it could possibly help them at about the speed of sound. And so it's waiting for them to take the shot because it knows it can move at super speed before the kryptonite can affect it and get out of the way, which is one of the things I pointed out in the reviews. Unless you have the element of surprise, a kryptonite bullet is actually a really stupid thing to to shoot at someone who can move as fast as the Flash. That is what... you know, someone who who is trying to actually understand the episode uh, correctly might think is the correct answer. But the truth is that Morgan Edge, he's down deep in there somewhere in the same way that Clark was still down there when Zod took him over. And he remembers, he remembers the first day he came to Smallville. 
and uh, he, he he was walking in the mines. He went, took a deep breath of the fresh air, and then like a copy of the Smallville Gazette lands on his face, and he just gets covered in this this awful rancid parrot crap, and he rips it off his face. I will destroy whoever's responsible for this, and he could never find the woman. Um, ultimately, which is hilarious because he killed her son without even realizing what he was doing. But that, that moment on that road, after he flipped that car, he was about to just tear Jordan out and go about on his business. But what he realized was that roosting just off the road behind him was one of those parrots. (laughs) And what you missed, what happened off camera was after he bolted out of the way, Like a parrot exploding in a giant green, giant green um, mess of viscera and feathers and and edge, you know, outside of the hearing of everyone else uh, as his last act as as a mortal soul, as a as a thinking agent said, I never miss either parrot. And then he rips Jordan out and goes back to the nuclear silo, which actually, why were they in the nuclear silo to begin with? I forget how that was seeded in the first episode. Like, what was the nuclear silo's thing? XK radiation or? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember either. Yeah, I'll have to read. But um, anyway, uh, the point is um, that the things ended very unfortunately for the son of the parrot lady because he missed, he missed his newscast. And the reason that he missed his newscast is because of the high ABVs. <laughs> um, like he got this drink and he thought he was going to be drinking like a, a, a low, a low ABV Canadian beer. Yes. Um, and, and, and everyone was like, it's going to be fine. And what they were trying to do was get him too drunk to watch the news. And anyway, the point being, um, he, he too realized he was wrong. And in a panic, he, um, went out into the woods to try and win his mother's favor back by finding a parrot. And unfortunately he too was killed by the bullet that killed that parrot. And again, Morgan edge killed one of those women, that woman's son, without even realizing that he'd taken like triple vengeance. This all makes sense to me. Thank you, Neil Bailey. All right. right, So next week we've got the season finale. Last sons of Krypton is what it's called, which there's (laughs) a whole bunch of sons of Krypton floating around, but whatever. Um, And then we'll have to figure out what we're going to do for the off season. I think we've got a couple of really good ideas. I think we've got tons of ideas, and I think that uh, after this uh, next episode, we'll have to uh, nail some of them down, and uh, we might even uh, really say uh, a kind of roadmap of some kind uh, as, as we can. I think I think since we've been missing uh, weeks just because of life, it might be good to make a list and be like, "This is what's next," and say it may be there, it may not be there, depending on uh, depending on how life goes. But uh, we'll the, keep pumping them out as we can, and the interference of parents as they happen to fly by. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, parrots, uh, you know, I actually have been thinking about getting a parrot, but the problem is I don't have a small town newspaper. I'm in a, a town with a hundred thousand people and they don't have their own newspaper. If only a multinational corporation, but anyway, <laughs> All right, uh, I will see you next week. Thanks for listening folks. And uh, thank you friends. We've been ampersand and sons minus the sons this week. Ampersand and sons minus the sons this week. 
Hey there, all you super cat coes and kittens. I'm not going to ask you to like or subscribe or add us on Facebook or Twitter because, frankly, I just don't care. Julian might, but you'd have to ask him. I am, however, an independent writer of novels, comics, and reviews. I don't get paid for that, and I've been doing it steadily for 21 years. If you like what I do, and if you can, your support would mean a world of difference in my life. I have a website where you can find my books, neilbailey.com with an A in the Neil, N-E-A-L, not an I, and I have a Patreon where you can get exclusive early access to everything I do along with free copies of all my books and comics along with every new book and comic I make as they come out for the price of a coffee. Get yourself on over to www.patreon.com slash neilbailey and tell them Neil sent you. Thanks for listening.